Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you? It's the 12th. I cannot believe it. The 12th of October. That means that we are nearly halfway through the month of October, and then we've got just two months and a half left uh, until we're in 2024, which is, uh, frankly, astonishing. I just, I, I cannot even tell you how crazy it is to be this far along the path. Um, it's good stuff. You know, I've been doing this, this podcast every week since the first week of January 2011. So that's a lot of episodes. It's kind of, it, it, I just got to remember that every now and then to think about like, you know, time is sure flowing. It really has moved quite quickly indeed. And uh, I can't believe we're here. 2023, almost 2024. Uh, staring down Halloween, staring down uh, Thanksgiving here in the States. By the way, I think it's, uh, isn't isn't it the week of Thanksgiving in Canada? Oh, yeah. So happy Thanksgiving to my friends in uh, the, the the North. Um, here in here in America, it's uh, we have a month to go yet until we get our grub, but that's okay. Uh, we'll wait. And then we've got... Um, what else? Well, there's the, the end of the year holidays, of course, and New Year's. I mean, goodness. And then for me personally, uh, you know, I'm going to be on the road a fair bit here. Next week, I'm off to Montreal and uh, Saint, uh, Salt Lake City. So if you're in Salt Lake City, I think it's next Friday or Thursday, probably Thursday, uh, I'll be doing a Java user group presentation there. Don't miss that. That'll be fun. Um, and then it's off to, where is it off to? Uh, from there, I come back and I'm going to hang out for a day and then uh, turn right back around and head off to Porto, Portugal, uh, for a for the Porto Tech, I think it's hub, Porto Tech hub, which I can't wait because that'll be my both my first time at that show. I'm sure it's great. Uh, and my first time in Portugal. Now, don't get me wrong, friends. Of all those millions and millions of literally millions of miles I've traveled, um, I've never been to Portugal. <laughs> I don't think I've even passed through it, and I don't know why. It's not like I haven't been invited. I've had, uh, there's a couple places I haven't yet been that I've, for whatever reason, just never been able to get to. One is uh, New Zealand. I have every intention of getting there, and, I, and Portugal, and I have an, every intention of getting to that one. Now, Portugal uh, is a, obviously a far side closer than New Zealand, um, and yet, and I've got, and I've had uh, numerous invitations over many years to go to either uh, or to both. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it just never happened. So this is it. It's unless the worst should happen. If unless there's another pandemic or another war, you know, bite my tongue, right? If there's barring some unforeseen catastrophe, right? Um, I'll be there. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see you uh, in Portugal. So uh, come out and say hi. And then I'll and then uh, you know that'll be fun. It'll be great. And so I was like, I'm in a particularly jovial mood uplifted uh and uh, and so on so i I, uh, I thought you know what this this week we really need to have a great episode we can't just uh none of that usual none of that stuff where i just phone it in every week and i get like the greatest of the great i want like the greatest 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 of the great this time you know just this one time um because you can't not all of them can be the best ever done right like that's just you know obviously um and uh so i'm gonna draw from the wealth of interviews the, from the well of interviews from the healthy wealthy well of interviews that i got uh in uh belgium and antwerp and when i was just there last uh i don't know two weeks ago a week ago 
it all kind of blurs together. Anyway, there's a, I was at DevOps Belgium, an amazing show. I had a great time uh, and I met a lot of amazing people and I, some of whom I hadn't seen in a few years. So this is a real treat uh, to see all these amazing folks. And uh, one of the people I bumped into was Java language architect, Brian Getz. Yes, that guy, you know, the one that just uh, helped usher in a new wave of, uh, a new, not a wave, waves imply a cyclical sort of thing, a new ocean of opportunities um, with Java 21. Java 21 just came out almost three weeks ago. I think it's probably closer. I know it's actually three weeks and some change, right? 29, so it's 19th of uh, September. So it's been more than three weeks, surely, You've already got it deployed into production by now. But if you haven't, if you haven't yet made the uh, leap, then I think you need to listen to this episode. You've heard me hyperventilate breathlessly about how amazing it is. And trust me, it is every bit as exciting, if not more, uh, than I've led you to believe. Just because it opens up new paradigms and new uh, possibilities that are exciting for both developers and operations, right? Um, but, but anyway, all that to say, it's great. It's here. And... More importantly, they're just getting started. They're just getting started. There's so much cool stuff. So I was very excited to sit down with, uh, well, actually, we were we were standing at the time, but I was very glad to stand uh, in the middle of the expo hall floor with uh, with Brian and catch up and uh, turn on the microphone. And I learned a lot, and I hope you do as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm, it's my, uh, some flop sweat. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I am actually, I'm standing right next to Brian Getz. Hey. Did I mispronounce the name? Oh, that's right. Java language architect extraordinaire. Um, congratulations on Java 21. Thank you. It's, Thank you. I mean, you know, the, the single biggest talk I think was the Java 21. Yeah. It's like 900 people registered plus several overflow rooms. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's lots of good stuff there. No, it's the, it's, the understatement of the year um people have seen me do breath i've done countless videos and countless blogs countless tweets i just breathless yeah uh, uh affection for this new release and i don't think people really because it just it it it, it ties the knot on so many themes yeah that if you didn't if you blinked and you didn't pay attention you wouldn't realize it was much bigger than the sum of its parts right yeah you know it's it's the forest and the trees thing right yeah you, you, we've been seeing Features coming in into 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, um, piece by piece. Right. And they're, you know, they stand, they stand nicely on their own. But a, a lot of the themes, you know, uh, that, that tie together a lot of these features have come together in 21, right? So 21 completes the first arc of algebraic date types and pattern matching. Right. Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I, I had a code example, you know, at, at the keynote, which is the same code example I showed four or five years ago at my last keynote at, at DevOps, uh, when, four or five years ago, it was total fantasy. Right? It, was, it was like, you know, it was a whiteboard example of, right. this is what I'd like Java to look like. And, you know, seven jeps later, this is, this is real code and it, all, and it all fits together. And countless amounts of people, countless effort and work and yeah. just, yeah. yeah. I, uh, okay, so let's talk about this. Oh, okay. thank you, thank you. So let's talk about this. Obviously, the thing that you could eat, most obviously miss if you're not paying attention is loop yeah like i know i know everybody knows about it and for good reason but it's also one of those things where if you're just looking at some code from 20 years ago and somebody added one little one of platform versus a virtual right 
that's the only thing that would have changed in 20 years. And the COVID would be exactly the same, but a far yeah. fight more scalable. Well, I mean, you did it. It's, it's here now. Well, part of it, one third of it is here, right? The, the most important. The, yeah, and and bit. and and, and the, the the brilliance bloom is the degree to which it changes the API almost not at all. That it 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 reuses the existing thread API. All of the thread adjacent APIs like thread local still work. Yeah. All the existing code out there just works. Um, you know, and the, and the only change that most people will see to their program is how they can, how they configure things. Yeah, and and even there, like if you're using a, a like you can swap out one executor someplace. Mm -hmm. You got a it's not a thread pool anymore. It's just a executor, right? right? You can you can swap that out. Now you get unlimited scale. You know, like for free. You mentioned um, uh, thread locals. Yeah. Okay. That, so that thing is that thing is really interesting to me because it, it 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 still works, but now you've got this really interesting thing of like what happens when I have a million of something? Yeah. Right. Like I can do a million threads, but do I want to have a million copies of this object? That's the scope values story, right? Yeah. So you know, so, so you know that, that that that's an example of you know today's problems come from yesterday's solutions, right? That that, that um you know thread locals worked you know work worked all right for many many years, right? But under a certain set of assumptions of there's just not that many threads. There's a few hundred, maybe a few thousand. Um, and all of a sudden, if you have a million threads, those assumptions don't hold. And so old code will work, but it may not, you know, it may not have the runtime characteristics like memory usage that, you know, that, that, that you expect. And so we are seeing, you know, a couple of things that, you know, people who are migrating to Loom run into. One is they keep trying to pull virtual threads, which they should stop doing, but they're so used to it, right? They've been told for 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, you know, 25 years ago, I wrote articles about thread pools, right? Like, and, and, you know, and, and, and why they're good, right? And they were because they were useful relative to the thread frameworks that we had. And now, now the reality has shifted. So people have to get out of their pooling mindset and they have to reevaluate their use of thread local, but it doesn't mean their code won't, won't work. It just, it may mean that it uses more memory and there might be a better way to do it now. Oh, but, but at least you get the scalability yeah. for the eighty percent case. Yeah. And even there, the uh, the um, I love the the fact that with the, the failure, I'm air quotes, okay, people, air quotes, the failure mode. I like if you do a synchronized block and then do input stream dot read, it air quotes breaks boom, but it still just it just performs like it would have in Java twenty. Exactly, it's an escalator. It, it, right. it's working. It still stares. You know. Yeah, it 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 just it just spins the thread, uh, but but it still works. I mean, even the failure mode is still great. I'm, no, no, it, 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 Loom was an absolute tour de force, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I, I have to admit that, you know, in the early design discussions, I was a little skeptical of some of the claims, you know, people made of, uh, you know, what, what, um, you know, what could be done. Right. And I'm just, I'm so impressed with how it, how it came out. Me too. So when does, and, and again, congratulations to you and everyone. When does the, uh, so the scope value stuff, is that 22 or so, so when probably, we look forward to that? Probably 22 or 23. Okay. I don't, you know, okay. I mean, it, it, it's, it's been banking for a while. It's in pretty good shape. Um, you know, we decided to hold it in preview for another version or two to get a little bit more feedback, but you know, I mean, people do use preview features in production if, you know, and if they want to, and that's okay. I feel seen. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's totally okay. I mean, it's using, tough, I mean. using a preview feature in, 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 in production is um, basically you're, what you're saying is, I'm willing to make some changes when the next version comes out, right. if I have to, right? right? You know, and, and once you sort of sign to that, that's fine, do what, uh, do what you're doing. I mean, even with Loom, there were some, over the many, many years, there were some changes. Um, 
like, there's some small changes that were, I remember there was like a method like is virtual or is yeah, virtual, right, or whatever, yeah, right. Like, small stuff like that. Yeah. But again, but due to its very nature, it's just a thread most of the time. It's yep. always just been a thread. Yep. At one point, very early on, we had like a fiber. There's a, a hierarchy or whatever. But now it's just a, you know. It's just a thread. Changes. Yeah. You know, there's right. nothing there. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so, okay. Boom. We got that out of the way. Uh, this, I want to talk to you about data-oriented programming. But first, this class file API. Yeah. Is looking super, super cool. It's, it is awesome. And I, I, I'm a huge... I mean, obviously, we. I worked on the Spring team. You may, you may not know that. Uh, and we have a lot of byte, you know, manipulation, byte yep. code manipulation, and that kind of stuff is. I don't know. I, what, what, can you tell us about it? What is it? And yeah, so you know, so, so um, for years and years, almost everybody used ASM for byte code manipulation yep. for generating, parsing, transforming uh, class files on the fly, proxy generation, things like that. And and we do that in the JDK, right? Yeah. You know, when you when you evaluate a Lambda, you get a Lambda proxy class, we spin it on the fly in an invoke dynamic bootstrap using ASM. Yeah. And and we've been doing that for you know for, for years and it works fine. The 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 problem with ASM is not that it's not good. It's it's fine. Yeah. It's that it's uh, it's it's loosely it's only loosely coupled to the JDK, which makes sense as a library. But but uh, as we're evolving the class file format more um, you know more rapidly, the the delay of oh uh, you know the version of ASM that supports JDK twenty one doesn't come out until after twenty one, right. or you bundle a version of ASM with your application and it doesn't know about twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Um, and, and so we decided it was time to put a class file API in the JDK. And this is something that we've been working on for, uh, you know, for like four years. I mean, we were, we had just started working on it the last time I was at DevOps, it's four years ago. Oh, wow. So it's been a long time coming. Uh, and we knew we, we, there were a bunch of things we knew about it when we started working on it. We knew that, uh, it was going to make heavy use of pattern matching. Right. Java didn't have yet at the time. But we knew where we were going, right? Right. Um, and you know, and, and and we had, you know, we had a set of requirements for what we wanted the code to look like, uh, and it just came out fantastically. It's just a beautiful API to work with. It looks like it. I only saw the talk at the JVMLS. Yeah. Uh, but when does that become a thing we can all play with? So um, it had it. It actually went into twenty one, but. Lock, locked up behind a private package. Uh, oh. It, it will preview in twenty two. And three uh, releases after yeah. that, and, and uh, pro probably two releases after that, it'll be uh, it'll 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 be GA. Amazing! That's really that's I, again most people on this on this stream they don't care, and as well they should. They the JVM right. does its magic without it, you have it, to manipulate it, bytecode. Exactly. But it is just such a nice, wonderful thing to have. Yeah. The, uh, and it'll, plus it'll open up. So I don't think people know that this is a thing they can do because they don't necessarily go to college and then learn about bytecode manipulation. Right. right. But if it's in the JDK, it'll be in some. Well, and, and you know, if it's in the JDK, it will be co-evolved with the with the VM specification, and that's the yeah. key thing, right? Right. And um, you know, when, you know, as we evolve the VM specification with new features, like when we add new attributes, like for sealed classes, we can immediately implement it, you know, in the API, and you know, have tools be able to recognize these new attributes immediately. So cool. Um. Okay. Huge, huge, big, big deal. You and it might be one of those things you just never know. You know, in a few years, all the things you're using that you do to these kind of things, they may not need them anymore, which yeah. is a huge deal. Um. Okay. Now, obviously, we talked about it. We we teased it because this is one of those things. I I read your uh, uh, phenomenal blog or article from the InfoQ 
Facebook.com last year, yep. 2022, for those watching in the far-flung future. Um, you talked about data-oriented programming, right. right? A new kind of dispatch. And you said uh, in the world of the, the large monolithic code bases, Java was king or queen or, you know, it reigned yeah. supreme because it had all these protections for modularity and privacy and uh, boundaries and all that. Uh, and now there's this sort of removing the smaller services and the, the dispatch is no longer along the object boundary of these deeply seated hierarchies, but instead the messages that you send between yeah. things. And it, it makes sense for language you need to evolve that. Right. That. What is that? What is yeah, so why this instead of like having a, a weekend to yourself? Yeah, so you know, so, so um, you know, object orientation was you know subject of a huge amount of hype in the uh, in the early '90s, and so Java was born, you know, in in in, the, in that time, and we had we had very optimistic ideas of of, of you know how it was going to save us from complexity. Do you remember a word perfect? I think it said now object oriented or whatever. Yeah. yeah. On the box. Right. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. Exa ex exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it was the right technology for the applications we were building at the time. Right. Yeah. It's like you couldn't have built web logic without it. No. And so a lot of the job language design is, is built around supporting large, you know, large, moderately coupled applications. Right. Right. Uh, which is described like all the important applications from 15 years ago. Yeah. So it was great. And, and, and that's why Java really caught, caught on there. But the world has changed. We're building smaller applications, yeah. building smaller services. They're not Java end to end. And that means we don't get to model our data end to end using Java objects. Right. We have to deal with untyped data being fired at us in the form of JSON or YAML or uh, dealing with untyped data from databases or, or, or what have you. And the language has to get better at modeling plain old data, right, and uh, and expressing polymorphic operations over plain old data, and so we took a page from the functional community, which uh, use algebraic data types, some types of product types, as their only abstraction mechanism, right, and it's a really powerful mechanism, and we put Java spin on it, which was to make it nominal, right. So what does that, what does that mean, nominal? So, so like in languages that have tuples, you have a type like tuple of incidents. Right. Well, what do those ints mean? I don't know. They could be the start and end of a range. They could be latitude, longitude. They could be anything. And it's easy to make mistakes where you assign an int int to an int int, but they're right. not describing the same thing. Right. So uh, Java's tuples, which we call records, are nominal. They have names. The record has a name. The components have names. Okay. And we do this because names are helpful. Names make code readable. Um, and so we have nominal uh, tuple types or product types. We have sealed classes, which are nominal sum types. And together, this forms algebraic data types. And the natural way to express operations over algebraic data types is pattern matching. Right. And when we started working on pattern matching, people were kind of confused about what are you, what are you doing this for? Is this, is this just a cool syntactic hack so I don't have to cast this thing? Right. And as I thought, that's a benefit. That's a start. But, but that wasn't the point. the point. The point is to be able to deal with data as data without having, you know, because objects are great for what they're good for. Right. If I want to just describe a name, the first name and a last name, I don't need an object. I need data. I need a better way to, to describe data. And so that's where all these features have come from. And one by one, we've been adding them and you know, they're individually nice, but when you put them all together, some really cool stuff happens. So when you talk, I agree, I heard you, optimistic, I agree. Um, you talk about dispatch, and you use the word polymorphism, and I confess, not as not a particular student of language design and all that, I always assumed polymorphism had to do with 
changing implementations of a given shape right. as opposed to changing the shape, right? Uh, and I didn't, and so now you can, you've expanded my vocabulary, thank you. Because uh, yeah. we talk about a record, that's not a hierarchy, that's not the same shape right. across right. multiple types. Right, it's just a leaf. Yeah. But, so, so, so Java supports, already supports multiple kinds of polymorphism. Yeah. It supports what's called inclusional polymorphism, which is extension. Um, and it supports parametric polymorphism, which is generics. Right. You can think of pattern matching as uh, ad hoc polymorphism, where you, um, you're able to say, well, hand me an object of type expression. Right. And then I can look at it and say, is it a sum expression? Is it a product expression? Is it a constant expression? And I don't necessarily have to have an abstract method in, uh, in my hierarchy for ev evaluate this expression. Hey there. Hey, I'll see you later. Okay, good. It's good to see you. I don't have to, I don't have to have it's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have to have an abstract method in my hierarchy in order to evaluate an expression. I can just write a static method right. that gets hands in an expression and says, well, I know an expression is one of these five things. I'm gonna pattern match over it, I'm gonna do my thing. Which you, that you, it only knows that because the compiler helps it with exhaustiveness, which is the other bit that I yeah, just found so cool. That enhanced switch expression is doing paying dividends now. Right. Uh, so, 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 but but you you can do that even without the exhaustiveness. Right. Right. I, like like you can have a method that gets past an object. Yeah. And then you can say you know case integer, case string, case array array of string, and okay, that's not going to be exhausted, so you're going to have to say default, I don't know what it was, yeah. but that's ad hoc polymorphism, you know, where you're saying someone's handed you an object, and then you say, well, I know what to do with an integer, I know what to do with a string, I know what to do with an array, I don't know what to do with anything else, so I'll, I'll give an error message, but you, you can do it without exhaustiveness, but exhaustiveness makes it that much more pleasant. And if I change something a year from now, I make sure the algorithm gets updated in kind, right? Um, hey, hey. Oh, hi. Nipa, we're on. Something. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, this is where I bow out and yeah. how he interviews yeah. you. Okay. Well, um, what's going on here? <laughs> we should do a live stream in a minute too. Oh, sure. <laughs> Have fun, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Small world. Um. I, yeah. That that you have got a you've got a finite set of values. The idea that the uh, you can handle it if you know what those values are. You don't need the compiler to help, but it sure makes it better. Right. Uh, and, and and it catches you when you make a mistake. Yeah, which is great because I make a lot of mistakes, Brian. I make so many mistakes. Better type checking is a good thing. I'm a huge fan. Thank you, sir. Um, what's the one thing you would leave people with uh, if you had one thing to share? Like, what is the thing they should be looking forward to? So, so you know, I, 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 I think people should look into, um, you know, read the paper I wrote on data-oriented programming. Try to get a sense of why it is we did these things because they will invariably see, oh, I could do that in my code. Uh, you know, and, and, and I can make my code better in this way. So, you know, they've been, people have been watching these features come in by one, one by one, and now they, you know, look into how they fit together. I think they'll be really happy. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to put this link here. I want people, people are very excited that you're doing the stream. So this person says um, they couldn't make it to DevOps for the first time in seven years. And they're just glad to hear from you. And, and, and they even live in Antwerp. They live in Antwerp. And, you know, <laughs> they still couldn't make it. Well, I mean, it, yeah. life happens, right? No, no, life, it, life, life happens. Um, no, absolutely. But anyway, I am also equally thrilled that I got a chance to talk to you. And thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'll do that. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Cheers, all. Bye-bye.
A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.